This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hi, everybody. This is episode number 144, Unbelievable, uh, Breaking Banks Europe. And today we're going to decode the buzzword of metaverse, actually, because, you know, there's so much discussions going on. What is it? What it isn't? What it might be? Uh, and so on. And I have two wonderful experts today with me, Martha Buckenfield on the one side. Hi, great having you on the show today, Martha. Yeah, thanks. Very excited to talk about my favorite topic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And Matthew, Matthew, how do I pronounce this? Gardiner, Gardiner, Gar, Gar, Gar. It's only Scottish people who can answer correctly or notice. It's really a Scottish name, but Gardner, yes. Gardner. Gardner. All right. So, Great what, what, Not to make any mistake on that. So great to have you on the show, Matthew, as well. Thanks for jumping, jumping on and coming in. Pleasure. Martha, you, you just mentioned already it's your favorite topic. Uh, introduce yourself, please, and, and why is the metaverse your favorite topic? Yeah, uh, I maybe have a bit unusual background because I'm 20 years uh, in financial services all over the world, uh, in particular in insurance and in banking in different roles, always executive roles. And I've been very fortunate because I've been always part of uh, transformation and digital innovation. So the last two years at UBS, I've uh, been very uh, engaged in creating platform and ecosystems. And then also during that time, obviously, I discovered that there is more than the Amazon today, which we uh, already see from a banking point of view or Apple point of view, which is very interesting and not only interesting, uh, disrupting our industry, that it started to become uh, another opportunity, I would say, or another possibility we can use as a metaverse, a virtual world. And beginning of this year, I then formally assumed the role of the dean and partner in the Metaverse Academy. Uh, we have already now the fourth cohort, as we call it. Uh, so we do a lot of education and training. And the beautiful part of this is my partner have been working in Web2, Web3, Web2 for the last 10 years and Web3 for the last two years. So we are not only uh, educating and training, but we are also building. And I think that's a nice part of it because we build for banks, we build for other financial institutions, but we also build for any other company, uh, luxury goods or what have you. And there are always different solutions uh, which we can share also with uh, our audience, which we can share with the students. And that's a nice uh, interaction you usually don't have. The second part, which I find extremely exciting is that we teach in the metaverse. So we are not only talking about it, but we take people uh, along the journey. And when I say in the metaverse, we all know that the metaverse is not yet here. We all agree on that. But the metaverse, you can say the different virtual worlds. And that is where also I find it very important that people not only just talk, but come to different virtual worlds and explore and see also what they can do for themselves there and obviously for their brands or in particular financial services. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, and you can see there is lots more to explore every day. I would say something new and the metaverse never sleeps. Oh, that is, that is, I guess, so true. So Martha, again, uh, thank you so much for, for your introduction and, and to all your backgrounds. Matthew, why why on earth are you in this metaverse, <laughs> actually? And well, why... again, yeah, why I'm in the metaverse, why am I here? It is one of my favorite places, too. And like Martha, I spend a lot of time with financial services institutions, institutional investors, really around the world. I'm a consultant on Web3, metaverse, uh, now fintech previously, and I really work around the intersection of AI, Web3, uh, crypto, hence been in the metaverse, uh, work with central banks around the world, lots of institutions uh, in the US, Middle East, uh, Asia-Pac, previously China too, 
And really the metaverse has been a kind of natural conclusion, I think, of all the developments we've had through Web 2 and Web 3. So uh, very excited to be here. So I definitely work on the bank and institutional side. I'm also quite an active investor in the metaverse as well, uh, in the more experimental side. So a big fan of breaking banks. Really pleased to be here at this moment. Thank you so much. Um, no, thanks. That, that, that is interesting. And we definitely will speak about uh, a question like uh, what you see to be future trends in the metaverse and where you see it happen uh, and what are the, the maybe sectors we have to look at when we want to see a life uh, uh, a life metaverse already. But first of all, allows, uh, allow our audience actually to catch up a bit because, you know, I, I could sense that there are so many definitions uh, when it comes to metaverse, first of all. Second, uh, in particular for the non-English speaking, using English buzzwords is always coming with one danger is, yes, we use one buzzwords, but we have many, many different ways of looking at the same buzzword. Uh, so let us let us maybe start off by by a clear definition, if we can. What is the metaverse? Martha, what, what, how would you, if in, in an elevator pitch, how would you explain the metaverse? Yeah, I think this is a question if you have five experts and five experts will give you different answers. Yeah, yeah. So I will try with no um yeah, with, with no statement that this will be the conclusion of everything because everything is in transformation. And I would say the definition is a vision right now. So everyone agrees it's the future of the internet. It, it's that that's for everyone is very clear. And then it's there are certain criteria which need to be met, which is uh, in the vision, it's interoperable and interconnected. So right now we know you have different virtual worlds and they are not interconnected. For example, you cannot really go with one avatar and visit another land like uh, and they are centralized and decentralized and all of that. And the most exciting part to me is actually the part where you have this immersive way of, between the real world and also the virtual world. A lot of people just stay with the definition in the virtual, but I think it's very important to know that there are a lot of crossovers and benefits to combine the two. And what you can do in the metaverse, you can socialize, you can engage, you can work, you can play together, and it will change our entire life. It's a real game changer. And once you have realized that, then the consequence, obviously, banks should follow where the consumer is, not only where the money is, uh, because uh, you say follow the money, but I would say follow the consumer. If the consumer is changing his or her habits, like we have seen with Apple, Amazon, Google, they already have changed our experiences. We like to have everything on a push. We like to have touch screens. We like to have easy search. We like to have easy content. We like to have Netflix personalization. So this is the ask also for banks. How can we get those experiences? And it's not just, okay, I have a branch in the real world, which I'm closing down, so I do it in the virtual world. The virtual world offers so many different possibilities that it's not just mirroring what we have, but we should think beyond. So that, Martha, you're really provoking me. Um, <laughs> you would be the first one demanding really that banks should follow the consumer. They never did. You know, <laughs> they only followed them. <laughs> but, but I think, but is sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but that's a different discussion. I know exactly what you mean, and I fully agree. By the way, but I needed to pick that up uh, actually. So, Matthew, what would you add to Martha's uh, definition uh, or description actually when when we speak about the metaverse? Well, yeah, not not much really. I, I can add some kind of examples, put some more color on it, like maybe uh, buying a car in Wild World will enable you to move around Wild World, which is a metaverse. You can rent it if you want. You can sell it. Um, and you need a car to get around. So there's some kind of practical utility there. But, you know, picking up on your point about banks never following the consumer, I think we've come to the point now where we've got so much technical debt in banking. And we also have really dangerous money. We've seen through the pandemic as well, yeah. a lot of transition to cashless society going all the way through. Um, so now we just see money, certainly in, in the kind of crypto world and Web3 world, we see money as data. And certainly when you look at rails like Apple Pay as well, that's how it's seen. So I think now the bank has no choice but to follow the consumer because consumer really is going along different rails. And we're talking about, you know, social gaming, social selling. I'll get onto social gaming in a minute. But if you look at, you know, in the last crypto boom, really, and still going on now in the building phase, the, uh, the relationship between uh, Circle, Shopify, 
at Coinbase. Um, we look at social selling there. Where's the bank? This isn't open banking where you're just disintermediators of PISP. Where are you in terms of that transaction? MasterCard, Visa have been very busy there. So I think now banks have no choice. They really are quite active. You look at Bank of America, for example, all the way over to GBS in Singapore, City. Um, the list is very long. So that's why I think there's that big change. And it makes it easier, really, for the bank to do it because it's more of a business case. You're mm-hmm. not suddenly looking at bringing a fintech in, educating them, and then they're meeting for lunch. There really is a viable market here. Um, you might agree with that, um, Arthur, or, or maybe... Uh, yeah, I think uh, you make a very important point. Uh, apart from all the experiences we have and so-called embedded finance, which already is happening, as you point out, with MasterCard, you can buy NFTs with a credit card. No bank is offering that. So there are a lot of services also for the virtual lands, let's say. There are mortgages, uh, which are not provided by banks. So you have lending, you have asset management, you have everything there already, but no bank is currently providing those services they are either kind of t- uh, fintech a- again disrupting or even apple has a partnership with metamask who's providing basically the entrance to buying cryptocurrency mm-hmm. apple pay has already killed in certain ways the banks because no bank is really competing with apple pay so apple is very innovative as you say they have also bought a credit kudo they're going fully fledged into finance very slowly so not different uh, or a lot of difference to like the big plash, but that's always how Apple does that, yeah, when they come to a new thing. And Apple, as we know, is beautiful because their experience is just amazing and everything is on the smartphone, yeah. So there are lots of things also banks have to consider is like, uh, do I do a smartphone uh, entry point to what I, I am I providing? As you say, do I provide payment rates? Do I provide experiences? So there is a whole universe for them to consider, which is really, uh, I, I would say, a world of possibilities here. Yeah? But if they don't take this possibility and if they don't think about changing experiences, changing their business model. And we see that day and day and we build for clients. Also, we consult uh, banks. These are everything you need to know. And you said Bank of America, also beautiful example, 50,000 employees already have are now trained on the goggles. Yeah? So every company is uh, doing different things and you need to have a very good overview of what's available and there's huge things available. And then you need to fine tune it, what's important for you, what's important for you also consumers and what do you want to start with? Martha, you, you have a lot of experience already with other banks talking about all this and, and you in the, our preparational conversation, you indicated that you have been part of a, a session last Friday, for instance, where you met a lot of um, asset managers, for instance. Uh, so you see, uh, out of that, I see that there's some sectors within financial services getting it, actually, or just starting to get on fire for that. But, you know, ex- being clearly the eldest in this call, I remember how banks did really find it to be very hard to move from the offline world into the internet itself. Like I speak about the late, the second half of the 90s of the last millennium, in which we first of all had a kind of digitized paper copy of the prices they normally had in the windows at the branches. And and this is how internet banking started. And it took them ages. Still, some are not done with that. You know, but listening to both of you, Matthew and Martha, actually, do banks have the time to actually now go into a kind of lengthy transformation program, do this yeah, we do a working group on this and we first find out and, and and then we dedicate resources and maybe in two years we start the project. And so that is then a, a cultural issue, how to handle that, right? Explain a traditional high street banker what you just told us. Second, it is a capacity issue. I see a huge backlog in all IT teams with incumbent or even fintech companies. How on earth to to embrace that, Martha? What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, my experience as an executive, um, I I would always have also, as, as Steve Job did with Apple, have a separate team who deals with that and basically ignores everything which is legacy. Yeah. So also Steve Job had this uh, had these people. They were in a separate, even separate part. They were the pirates of of Apple. They called themselves like this. And even in Apple, such an innovative company, they needed that. They needed this bulk of people working really out of the box and also when I had the chance to innovate at UBS it was more coming from what is the consumer now looking at what is the experience of the consumer what do we need to provide so let's ignore our legacy for a moment and the beauty is there are lots of fintechs that you mentioned are out there so you can create a lot of partnerships and that's also the way how a lot of banks go now about it and even uh, Julius Baer for example I interviewed some of the executives a couple of months ago, uh, I noted that in Roblox, one of the big games, they are recruiting people from the gaming industry because those people have a different mindset. They have a different uh, capability. They have a different skill set. And you need to start to bring this in. Gaming and uh, Matthew, also, I think you you mentioned that, is the kind of gateway to the metaverse because we can all say, oh, gaming, I don't care. There are three 0.5 0.5 billion gamers worldwide. And gaming is no longer about gaming. And even JP Morgan in January in their report, they said we want to get onto gaming in the sense of uh, the gaming infrastructure, the pay rails that was in the Onyx report they had here. So everyone laughed a little bit about their representation in Decentraland. It's just a lion and Jamie Diamond, so it's meaningless. But their report really shows where they're going because Onyx has 200 people just in blockchain. And if you follow the journey, I mean, how many companies there they acquired, this is mind-blowing. And then also Matthew mentioned Coinbase. Coinbase and BlackRock have recently also concluded a partnership. This is institutional investors. Yeah, that's enormous. And that's enormous. Yeah, that's a, a Black and also, Martha, the uh, Onyx is in Decentraland too, right? They have yes, it's in Decentraland. As a Dubai regulator, just to bring everyone up to speed, there are actually people who have taken positions in the metaverse. We get onto Square and Cash App as well in a minute, and uh, sports celebrities, and that big onboarding towards crypto which you're seeing now. Obviously, we saw a big crypto crash, but during this crypto winter, as we call it, which we're all familiar with, we're seeing a lot of infrastructure building there and onboarding. You know, Square and Cash App. Uh, Square Cash App was on on track to be one of the largest retail banks in the US. Um, before the crypto crash. So again, I think we'll see a lot more onboarding towards the metaverse here. And in a way, it makes it much simpler for the banks' equation Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So banks, mm-hmm. if you show them really concrete examples, is my experience because I'm having all these discussions and events with uh, their clients, their relationship managers, external asset managers. As soon as they see what is out there, they are like, wow, how can we get into this? It's no longer a question, oh, we can't do it. It's more a question, we need to be here. We need to be here now because they're realizing this is like a tsunami they haven't even noticed before because they are in their nice little building and bubble. But as you also pointed out at the beginning, it's a mindset. It's a culture mindset shift. And you can only get this shift if seeing is believing, yes, is seeing, but also touching. Touching feeling experiencing it and that's why we always in our uh, when when we have these discussions and workshops we take people in the virtual world so they always always become avatar it was in five minutes there are certain apps which uh, provide this we have a room for them where they can explore we even do a one-hour workshop on creating nfts and then they're basically they understand okay it's not no longer rocket science you know what an nft is you know what a marketplace is you know what a virtual world is and all of a sudden also they understand an avatar first they all say avatar i don't care you know some like playmobil looking thing but there is ready player one where it's similar i mean you have similar features and then they start yeah but you know i want my avatar also the male one to look different i want different uh, you know uh, wearables and stuff that's so funny because then you think okay it's a banking executive but they're behaving all the same so these are all consumers these are where the consumer is going yeah 
Absolutely. And they need, you know, all the responsibilities we have in, in C-suite and banking now, they need to be on top of this and understand it. I was just talking to some high net worth, ultra high net worth managers. And uh, one of the panelists said, you know, do you really want to invest in the mess? We're talking about really buying art. You know, do you want to invest with, uh, I don't know, cactus bows or blind bullish or whichever, you know, glasses table in the mess of us? And that's scary for uh, high net worth investors or asset managers. But as you say, if you experience it, you know how to handle it. It really is terra nova. I think that's the main point, really. It's money is data and terra nova. There's no more open banking. We kind of own this. We can uh, throttle APIs. We can keep the pace moving at the pace the way we want to. We've seen a lot of problems with open banking around that. This is all new. It's a level playing field. And really, one needs to be highly skilled if one's going to lead the conversation here. And when we look at things like Square and Cash App, um, there's little time for banks, certainly on the retail side, to get involved. Um, on the institutional side, NFTs, ownership of things like music catalogs, that's a different matter. Uh, again, it's a parallel development. But when there's so much happening at once, there's also all the geopolitical risk and everything else we have to contend with. Um, one has to be kept up to, up to speed and, and lead the conversation, which is why when you try it, I think you really see. So what you're doing, Martha, is really quite phenomenal. Um, this is things you can't really discuss you have to get involved with. That's how I began to understand it. And I've had a very good um, approach to it. Matthew, um, before we, last question, before we go into the break then. So uh, Martha mentioned that we need to demonstrate and illustrate role models maybe out of other industries and, and help us to look uh, to get out of our banking, financial services, comfort zone and box. And, and what would be maybe the one or the two single best Use cases now being a listener to the show, what website would you tell me to visit if I really want to kind of experience a metaverse ex uh, experience the first hand and, and best way? Is there any piece of advice you could share with us? Yeah, I don't want to do too much self marketing, but we are the only <laughs> academy. We are really the only academy uh, worldwide right now who offers this kind of programs. And we do this now for six months. We have the fourth class and we do a lot of tailor made stuff. Yeah? So, okay, so Martha, what, what's the website for that? So, and then give Matthew a chance, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say it because I'm very convinced of what we do. So oh, maybe I... And we can we can put it later also in when you distribute okay. it. I think before I do it's Metaverse Academy in Switzerland, but we oh. are international. Yeah. Perfect. No, thank you. And 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 see, this is actually I I absolutely love not to get me wrong. I love your enthusiasm on this. Absolutely, honestly. Um. And and Matthew, and then we do the break. Um. What is what is the what is what is the one or the two experiences you would highlight, what, or maybe company names saying, okay, this is really a great role model. Guys, have a look to this. I'd have a look at what Animoca Games is doing. Animoca Games, one of the biggest investors here, is, is gaming based, but it gives you an idea of what's going on. And maybe also look at the Futureverse white paper. This is about an open uh, source metaverse. Uh, Futureverse.com, easy to remember. It'll give you an idea of what's going on and, and how nascent the conversation is really. Um, so yeah, stick to those two. Okay. Thank you, Matthew uh, and Renata and maybe the team of Breaking Banks. Maybe we can share the links then in the show. Uh, I think that would be in particular helpful. And with that piece we uh, of information, we go into our break. Well-deserved for everyone. Take a breath. Um, do whatever you need to do and come back. Uh, definitely stay tuned. Thank you so much. The FDS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. Welcome back to the second part of our number 144 uh, Breaking Banks Europe session, Decoding the Buzzword. Today we speak about the metaverse, and we just had a very lively first half of it um, discussing how actually financial services executives do learn at the Metaverse Unit, uh, Academy, sorry, Martha, at the Academy, uh, how to get a first contact there. Now, um, 
we, we spoke about the use potential use cases. We also spoke about uh, maybe other role models that we uh, do have uh, to look at outside the financial services industry. One stupid question, maybe. Is there one metaverse or are there many? Many. Many. And I would say when we that's a little bit coming back to the first part. We have a vision of the metaverse, how it should look like. But right now we have a lot of use cases of metaverse with a little M. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some are arguing, uh, don't say gaming is a metaverse uh, for certain reasons because it doesn't fulfill the vision. But as we discussed in the first session, I would say that the metaverse in gaming kind of style is, uh, is a use case. And you were asking for companies, maybe we should get experiences from. So there are companies definitely in the gaming. And uh, Matthew, you mentioned it, Animuka Brands, is, I posted a couple of days ago, has an entire ecosystem. They're also teamed up with DBS, uh, so the the bank in Singapore, who is amazingly advanced in digitization and platformization, and now goes to the next level. And why they're teaming up with Animoca Brands is for sure, and they're doing something in Sandbox, because the gaming aspects, even though we might think, oh, we are all adults, we are not interested, is a lot we can learn from the easiness of adoption, the easiness of the experience. And we have one brilliant example, which is Axie Infinity, is the game which is the most adaptive play to earn. And when you look there, the, the users, they use blockchain, they use crypto. And if you look at the ages, they are from young to very old. And they're in the Philippines. And why? Because they basically, during COVID, did that for a living. They were not earning money. And here they can earn from crypto. They can convert into real money. So you have payments in there. You have blockchain in there, you have crypto, but if you ask the people who play it, I mean, they have no clue how, it, how it's called. And that's exactly how it should be for a bank. So don't make it so difficult that your clients have to think about the technology. It's a bit like Apple, Steve Jobs always says, you, you do the experiences and you worry about the technology. Technology comes back uh, later. And last week, I also had uh, the opportunity to meet his partner, Steve Wozniak. Uh, obviously, he's all about the technology. He's a nerd in technology, but he admitted, or he also was a bit like Steve Jobs had no idea about technology, but he said he challenged us because he had no idea idea about technology. He always was coming from, how can I use it and make it easy for me? That's how the smartphone, that's how the smartphone came. And the question will be, what's the next smartphone? Because we will not all run around with the big goggles and there's already contact lenses out there. There are Apple is working on glasses. Um, then the next big thing is maybe the Neuralink from Elon Musk. Very scary. Yeah, but... exactly. And also, Apple has had a patent for a ring for like, 10 years, perhaps. You know, you can get in the Mercedes and, and use gestures now to, to alter the sound and, and the um, the heating and everything. So moving forward there. And interesting what you said, um, really, about Axie Infinity. That was the biggest user of gas, Ethereum gas, for, for quite some time. I was lucky enough to meet Gabby Dizon, who's one of the founders there. And really, and also, he's with Tubador, who's the curator of um, the... The, the outfit which brought the people you've probably heard about the 70 minute on the people or to celebrities yeah. uh, Tubador is a curator there and what's really interesting about both of their stories is that they really are about creating wealth for people who really weren't wealthy at all there's another example in the metaverse of Angel Baby Angel Baby is a big sensation a singer has a big career but they come from a jurisdiction where they wouldn't typically be allowed to perform they're an anonymous performer so we presume the story is true and that's where they come from. So you really have this very intriguing story of uh, Meta Koban, who founded the fund, which bought the Beagle for $70 million. He was a coder from South India. He had a series of businesses. He invested in crypto and he became very wealthy and now he's in the metaverse. And Gabby Dizon as well has been able to lift a lot of people out of poverty in the Philippines. They really have removed themselves from poverty through playing this game at Infinity. And that's play to earn. Um, which is fascinating, um, just to kind of wrap up that point. So that's how it began, this movement. It's very interesting to see it came from nothing. And now we have FTX um, last year, set up FTX Gaming. They spent a billion dollars on licenses. Half of that is 500 million for Liquid in Japan, which has a very good license with the Japanese FSA. Um, but they're very concerned, or they, they see a very big mass growth, as I do, in gaming and social gaming. 
and really moving beyond play to earn, which is what X Infinity is. That's been invested in by Andrewson Horowitz and almost it's like yesterday's story in a way. Now we're moving towards social gaming, right? And you, the theory really is here, which has been kind of proven as what FTX is putting a billion dollars on, is that um, you prefer to game with your friends than you would to watch a soap opera or a movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is social engagement, yeah? And we totally underestimate that, but as you correctly say, has been accelerated also by COVID. How can we socially engage when we are sort of not together? And even now, uh, you know, we cannot see maybe always our family in a different country. And it's beautiful if you can have the social engagement. And we just have now, it will be launching in October, helped a company who's doing our finance for women. It's very beautiful. Uh, and the company is now going into the metaverse and we're helping first doing something with the content. So they're not doing transactions. They're really about the content, the learning, uh, making sure that the education for women in finance is, is growing, but you can now use also certain gaming aspects in the virtual world, even with adult women, is not only for uh, children anymore. Gaming is not the children play. Gaming is really about social interaction, but the children show show the way. Because if I look at my nephews, they 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 don't want me to, to stop the play because it's not a play. They are with their friends. They're talking on Reddit, which we hardly know. And they, they have different means to communicate here. Yeah? Uh, and it doesn't mean they don't go outside to, uh, to play football, but it does mean that there are different ways to communicate, which might be sometimes even as effective. Nothing will ever replace the present, but I think all the virtual places and spaces we see can enhance a lot. I mean, we haven't spoken about healthcare because it's breaking banks, but healthcare is one, I would say, of the biggest benefits are in terms of the metaverse. There are already consultations, digital trends, everything is already there. With some and more nuance as well. I think one of the problems we found during the pandemic, the, the video model just wasn't good enough in many ways. That lots, lots of misdiagnosis, it saved a lot of people, but there are also some grave errors which were committed there. But the metaverse enables far more nuance and kind of bringing it back. Sorry, Martha, I interrupt you, so I'll stop in a moment. We're so excited, we've got so much to say. Um, but um, the, I think um, having a more highly nuanced healthcare service will kind of have obviously some impact on banks and, and the way that insurance is administered. We see Amazon jump in now and Apple jump in into insurance as well. You may be wondering why we're talking about gaming, um, uh, you know, for banks, and what does that mean? But certainly in terms of where attention is and then where transactions are really uh, transacted, where, where that fulcrum is, that's, I think, why banks are interested in being in the metaverse because it goes beyond, um, you know, gaming. It goes through to healthcare, as we say, and insurance and many other areas of our lives. Yeah, as the social life changes and as the life changes, how you interact, you're definitely in healthcare, uh, you need insurance, you need banking in every aspect of your life, as you as you say. And I find JP Morgan, you also ask about uh, Matthias, who's very advanced. They are very advanced because they're so advanced in blockchain and they're now also going into gaming. Then you have DBS with Animoca, HSBC also is in Sandbox, also with a more kind of gaming approach. But these are, I would say, kind of test bets. And then South Korea is very advanced yeah? So there is Bank and other banks, and the government is completely into the metaverse. So that whole city is now a metaverse city, and you have a lot of the banks so with, with test beds, with uh, even AI bankers in the branch, uh, and metaverse applications already trying transaction investment advice there. Yeah? Very, very far advanced there. Yeah? So that means actually just to summarize that maybe out of a, a listener's view is so the game industry is something we have to have a look at, right? I think we all agree in, and uh, there's a great piece of FT um, actually saying there's a great video of, uh, made by the created by the FT team saying that the, the video game is the bridge into the metaverse, right? Yeah, it's a gateway, yeah. say, which I find is is absolutely 100% the way how to look at it. Yeah. And, and you indicated, Martha, that, uh, for instance, we in the financial services always regard video games to be childish, 
irrelevant and it's about it's a game you know it's not real world it's a game you know but i think this is as you say the perception is absolutely couldn't be more wrong right and if uh, uh we you mentioned some figures and matthew if we i think add the numbers 3.2 3.5 billion people cannot be only kids okay no. so this is why i would say statistically proven fact that it's a game is not child and childish only i think me personally now I would say without any doubt, not being a child anymore, but I love to play, right? <laughs> so, and and I, I think there are many, many others who are in absolutely the same. So I think, and I fully underline, and this is why I reiterate on this, yes, the video game is something we have to look at. And it's a great experience where we already can see DeFi, where we already can see blockchain-based currencies being integrated into the game experience and created actually a sub or maybe a new category because in our industry everything needs to be boxed and it's called GameFi, isn't it? So it's yes. the merger <laughs> video game and the financial world using blockchain technology and so on and so forth. And Matthew also then reiterating, yeah, then looking at uh, other sectors and industry like uh, health and so on, I would say yes, absolutely, where we all have the combination of virtual meetings and, and social engagement based on real data, for instance, I would say is something which could be already leading into whatever kind of a metaverse. And also then reiterating and saying, okay, actually, at the end of the day, the metaverse is what we make out of it, right? There's this Absolutely. That, that, that's it. Let's say what, sorry, I'm kidding. No, 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 well, no, that's no. why also a lot of uh, people in my space, and I totally agree with that, we say, Let's not discuss anymore what the metaverse is supposed to be. Let's just build and create what we believe it should be. It's much, much better than having something in our mind. Remember also internet. We didn't know internet. All the possibilities. There was no Google. There was no Facebook for good and for bad. Uh, there was no Apple. There was no smartphone. Did we ever think about it? You cannot think about this this innovation. You have to back, actually live it and you have to create it together and you have what for me is more important what are the ethical principles and also Matthew mentioned the diversity inclusion how can we how can we make sure all of this is really is other basic parameters we we live in and also my view is we haven't talked about meter do you see how Matthew myself in a certain sense find it irrelevant but it's very relevant also to a certain extent uh, Meta are a huge investor in the hmm? space Meta are a huge investor in the space yes yeah. yeah exactly it's not irrelevant but it's for it's a kind of that's why we should um i was i was uh, asking rhetorical questions so Mater is definitely with the 10 billion a huge investor you mentioned andresen horowitz 600 million investment in fund vc capital in total 120 billion last year uh doubled up twice so there is a lot of people in the space which also led jack dorsey to say it's not the people who own web3 it's actually the vcs who own web3 which is actually sounding, let us sound the alarm bell on that, by the way, you know. Yeah, yeah, but that's why we need to get involved. We need to shape it. We need to be part of it. We need to understand it. And we also don't want to be the people like you have now people who cannot do online banking. They cannot do WhatsApp. They cannot be with their family. This is cruel. This is really exclusive. So we need to make sure we are part of this. We take a lot of people with us. And that's why I have such a focus on education and training, because I I think we all need to be part of it and we need to make sure that the parameters of what needs to be built are coming from society. Let me let me maybe move on one step. And now that we uh, are absolutely heated up by ever I'm I'm pretend to be a listener. I'm saying, well, this is so exciting. The, Martha is driving me into this. You know, I, I can't stop there. I need to move in now. I, I walk up to you, Matthew, and I'm an I'm an incumbent organization. You are a consultant. What would you what What would be the steps you would advise me actually to do next in order to get my journey into the metaverse started? Great. Well, yeah, I would say certainly. Let's not forget Candy Crush when we think about gaming. Just yeah. to pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People in the House of Commons caught playing Candy Crush. Shows how big gaming is. And then just to look at a, you know a real life example of getting into the metaverse. Uh, DBS have announced more investments in, in strategy and uh, and um, 
the in- infrastructure of the metaverse, but they've also now extended their crypto offering to 300,000 more high net worth individuals uh, who bank with them. So it's a kind of a tandem effort. You, you work in tandem with the rest of your crypto effort, really. And then uh, looking at uh, insurance, I, I know there's some very large insurers looking at uh, NFTs being used as a kind of fundamental part of their insurance strategy. Um, so I would recommend, sure, get involved, get some space in the metaverse. That's great. You know, settle into central land, um, risk some capital there. But really look at the business. That's what I do. Look at the whole business and see where you will benefit from Web3 and Web4 moving forward. Where are you going to be in this conversation? Where are you going to be displaced? But also, where do you want to be going forward? So you have a strategy, you're an established financial services organization or a bank. How can you kind of transpose that into the metaverse and change it appropriately? That's what DBS are doing, a good example to look at. Martha, I'm I'm a bank uh, and my compliance team, I just pretend to, okay, that's a role play. I'm a bank and my compliance team still tells me that crypto is not compliant and I'm not obliged to touch crypto in any meaning. So that means once I'm not crypto ready, I'm not ready for the metaverse. I wouldn't say so because there are many other ways to get into the metaverse and to have different uh, applications, you can say. So as Matthew mentioned, if you want to have a presence, for example, to uh, like Fidelity does, uh, Fidelity has a presence in Decentraland, they do training for their clients, they don't have a crypto facility. Yeah. So there are many different ways, but I also would say that I love the idea of Sandbox. Yeah. So, or it's the same like DBS also developed their uh, digitization strategy that don't do uh, everything in a whole. They they break it down in pieces and let's say, let's try this, let's do this. Uh, so it's really a, the agile approach, 100%, trial and fail, but never fail to try. Uh, so from my point of view, the other point, which is in my experience very important, when you talk to compliance on risk, take them with you from the beginning. Don't ignore them. So make them part of the solution. And you will be surprised because also in platform ecosystems for banks is sometimes a nightmare. And my experience is very good when you take them from day one and say, okay, let's really, really think about, we want to achieve this for the clients. So how would you, how would you do it? And then they first get a headache, but then they try really hard to support you because if you come to them, it's very annoying to legal compliance risk at the end, you have all of this and say, okay, this is my solution. Then for sure, they will say it will not work. Yeah. Also Matthew is shaking his hand. I really am. Yeah. You know, a lot of people now see compliance as cash. I would say that's the kind of turnaround you, you get within compliance functions. How can they assist the business? Well, I'm costing you something. How can we save us down the line? So yeah, do get everyone involved. If you dump it on a desk with everything else going on in the world, when you're finished, it's just too hard to understand. You've got cognitive overload and that translates into no. But if you bring people on the journey, it's an escape in a way. and They can experiment with you. And just in terms of compliance as well, I know the executive orders, the reports on executive orders, seven out of nine of them have now been returned in the US. Uh, we see, I work with a regulated uh, DeFi exchange called Swarm. Almost, they operate under the regulatory purview of Bathin uh, in Germany, for example. So there are kind of solutions around the regulatory uh, landscape. And sure, it's only 2% of um, global MT money supply, more like 0.5 now at the moment with, with the depression in value in crypto. Uh, but the regulatory landscape is evolving, BAS are all over this. So there's a lot more to come with compliance and regulation. It's just a matter of keeping up with the conversation. It's all going crypto's way at the moment. Um, I'm happy to hear this, Matthew, uh, because also that means that Martha, because normally, you know, as I have had many encounters with uh, decision makers in the financial services industry, believe me, the one biggest excuse on their side for not joining innovation is regulation. Right. And and I, what you just listening to the both of you is just saying, listen, no, there are many ways to do it. There are many ways to skin that cat, actually. So regulation is not an excuse anymore. And I think this is the main message. Now, just we, we're running out of time, guys. Really, this is so exciting. One one, Matthew. I And then I, I already uh, give Martha and both of you the, the the time to prepare one last statement, actually, one last catchy statement for our listeners to to let them take a message away. But before that last statement, Matthew, you know, we, we spoke about incumbents, how to embrace that. 
I'm, I'm maybe, and we heard Martha saying it's a venture cap world. So I'm maybe a startup guy, actually. How to, what, what are my steps? Because that seems to be obviously something which is calling for innovation based in, in startups. Because I, I would personally sense that the banks themselves cannot make it out of their own forces, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that means it needs to be an externalized process of creating that innovation, which needs funding. Okay, so that comes when the venture caps come on the play. So how, how to focus on that development? How, maybe I have a startup and maybe I need to pivot it more into Web3, GameFi, and so on and so forth. Is there anything you could deliver as an advice to them? Absolutely. So really the main focus at the moment, as we see around funding, is in gaming. So uh, let's look at Wild World, let's look at Zedrun. Uh, very well formed very good management very good um kind of ex epic games uh, developers on board so a very strong team so really very much around gaming and really very much around having a strong team and composition that can survive the ups and downs that we have in crypto that's where investors are really really looking at and secondly there's also the online to offline piece mm. so we see members clubs in new york so it's a very important often overlooked uh, I'm working with a large members club at the moment, looking really at NFT uh, experience and kind of metaverse experience, which goes in parallel with a um, physical membership. Um, during the last boom, there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, I see things go from five to 30 ETH for entry into clubs to get alpha. So those are the opportunities really, I would say immediately gaming and then uh, also online to offline. Longer term, there are other ones, but if you're a startup guy, it's really around gaming at the moment. So, and I think that's great news in particular because we obviously see a implosion on the valuations in the fintech only sector, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say that that might be a nice uh, alternative strategy. Martha, what is you, your thought on this? Yeah, I totally concur with Matthew. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I think, no, no, sorry, I'm so short on this, but we have talked about gaming before, and yeah. if it's my choice, I have uh, also um, a friend who's uh, now doing something female gaming. One of the advisors on her board is Animuka Brands, so it's all the circle is 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 closing. But uh, as we said, the the gaming is only the gateway. So for my, you asked also for the last sentence, if I may say so, my last piece of advice. Uh, also from the discussion we had today, don't jump into it. So if, if banks come to us and say, yeah, look, they, they have built in Decentraland, JP Morgan, they have built in Sandbox and I want to build something in Decentraland and Sandbox. This is not the right approach. Yeah, You, you should really think about what is your use case? What are your customers? Where where can you really support them? What is, uh, what is it what you want to do with them? If you do transactions, you maybe don't want to go in a Decentraland because there's a doubt if you want to do just simple you know videos and so on there are so many different things and one very good example just recently uh two weeks ago signum a company here in switzerland is the first uh with our with a step into the metaverse they are very strong into nfts so they are in decentraland they made something very beautiful but they're also very focused on community we haven't talked about this so Create a community. They have, or they are developing NFTs. They're helping, and so on. So they they have different levels in Decentraland. Very beautiful, created where they are all about community. Where they are about different areas to go to. But it's around their consumers, around their products, around their core beliefs. So the question comes back to any strategy, any innovation. What is your strong uh, core belief? What are you good at? Think about Lego. Think about Lego. I always wanted to educate children and educate parents in a sense. They did Minecraft. Yeah, that was their first step into a metaverse-like gameplay. Now they are teaming up with Epic also for a children game. But it's always around who are my consumers. Follow the consumer. What are you strong at? Yeah, what is it? And don't think about this is my product I want to push. It's really core beliefs, core values. And every bank has that. Not this fluffy purpose statement maybe, but really core beliefs and core strengths. Just to say, you know, to qualify what you're saying about gaming, that could also involve art and fashion. Um, art and fashion really are very big in the metaverse. I've moderated several conversations around that. If you look at maybe Art Pool, Unit London, you know, we saw $40 billion transacted in NFT art last year. 
you can buy a $20,000 pair of Gucci trainers if you want in the metaverse. There's also that side of it as well. And there's also sports clubs as well looking to come in, traditional sports clubs. It's not all about just gaming. It's about that whole ecosystem around it. That's the central nexus at the moment, but there is also a lot happening in art and fashion around it. And, and yeah, they are incredible. You you make such good points. They're incredible advanced in art and fashion. And that's why we also work even for finance app with galleries, you know, uh, also to, to blend. The beauty is there is no, no more anymore. This is only finance. You can cross over, you can use everything we have in society, all the touch points, which you have uh, what we call in our in super apps, you basically can do also in the virtual world, much easier. Yeah, and infrastructure with Coinbase, et cetera, we've seen that starting already. Shopify are very, very involved there. And yeah. that's where you can come in. You don't have to start a game, but where's your infrastructure pay for a bank if you're a startup? If you're a bank, who are you looking to to be in Web3 and Web4? Who are you working with to actually get those pipes running? If you just got an idea or something that's actually live and running. Yeah, and that's maybe also the more interesting part than just having a presence. Where is the consumer? Like, is the consumer in shopping? So, like Mastercard, you can shop with your credit card. Uh, then payment rails for shopping so you easily are embedding everything like we have seen already in amazon no one thinks about anymore how to pay and you should have the same if you if you choose something in the metaverse to pay yes you can buy an nft you can buy a, a clothes or whatever it's all embedded it's embedded finance basically in the metaverse and nobody thought about it until visa says we're going to charge you, and then everyone thought about it. So maybe do you think about your arrangements going forward as well? That was a, a short-sighted from, from many banks with Visa and uh, Amazon. I'm so sorry. No, Martha, no, now we have to end. <laughs> we stopped. <laughs> Matthew and I were just holding our breath. <laughs> exactly. It's an ongoing exchange of final statements. We can't do this, right? <laughs> no, if there is... If there is you know, I've, uh, so first of all, thank you so much for that very exciting 60-minute conversation we now had it. I think if there is somebody now out there not being uh, kind of energized to to deal with the metaverse, you guys, you simply didn't get it then, right? There was, if you just get like 10% of Martha's enthusiasm on it, you will be a, a metaverse entrepreneur in future. So Matthew, Martha, thank you so much for all this. Uh, I actually will suggest to the Breaking Banks team, we have to do a follow-up on that, obviously, because I had to break you up now very rudely on this conversation. Uh, I I did, again, um, you know, personally, I did take the learning again, like follow the consumer. I think this is something I love a lot. and advertising that for decades already myself but also i think uh, one piece of advice out of our discussion and then with that we close it my final statement is identify the video players in your compliance team and you will have a happy life um, because statistically there at least must be 25 to 40 percent video players video game players and users in your compliance team as well and then also think about how to use video games uh, also for your HR topics and stuff like that. So there's much, much more we could speak about. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Breaking Banks team. Thank you, listeners, for listening to show number 144, Decoding the Buzzword and Adding a Lot, the Metaverse. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.